and welcome to Talking Dirty at the Library, where we'll talk about what's growing here in Athens and Limestone County, Alabama. Each podcast features master gardener experts discussing ways we can cultivate better gardens and better lifestyles through local gardening programs. Hello, my name is Emily Clem. I'm part of the Limestone County Master Gardeners. Today we had Getting Dirty at the Library, a program that is done once a month at 11 o'clock on the second Tuesday. Uh, And we have a speaker come in who is an expert on some topic that we think has a wide range of interest. Today we are talking about native plants. So Susie Plon was our speaker and we're going to let Susie um, introduce herself. Hi, I'm Susie Pline. I'm a, also a master gardener here in Limestone County, and I have a background in horticulture as well as education, and I am here to talk a little bit about plants that grow well, native plants that grow well in our area here in North Limestone County. We know that plants are native, all plants are native to somewhere, and when we talk about native plants, we want to be really specific about where our region, our location, so that we can match plants to their ideal growing conditions. Yes, and you know, that's also a major interest of mine is native plants. I started um, six or eight years ago trying to convert my yard to native plants, and it's been a real adventure. Now, I have about an acre yard, but Susie, tell us about your five acres. Okay. We actually, in uh, 2020, late in 2020, the fall, my husband and I purchased five acres, and we are naturalizing an area that was just a, a big field to mow and then had an old succession forest on it as well. And I wanted to go in and turn it into a food forest, have my own botanical garden, my own arboretum, and and turn the the property back into something that uh, would attract our native wildlife, but also be aesthetically attractive to me. And um, three acres and a half of mowed field is not nearly as pretty as what we're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you did talk about that forest that you think was probably clear cut twenty years ago. So I remember the old adage, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The next best time is today. So you have a lot of trees that you were planting in real time. And I know I'm fortunate to live in an older neighborhood where we do have mature trees. And I sure don't have to leave home to see fall color. Tell us about some of your favorite native trees. Okay. I, I really love the red maple and on our property, it's all along our tree line. We're bordered on three sides with agricultural fields and we've got the, uh, the forest border and lots of the red maple in there. And so we do see the fall color, but the caliper, the size of these trees is very small. We also, I love oaks. We've got some, as you as you say, some very mature oak trees on our property as well. They're a good distance from our barn or from the house, and so they're not providing 
any shade for us yet, but they provide the benefit of, you know, the food for the wildlife. So the, those oak trees in particular, um, I'm quite fond of. We have so many different types of trees, but we, we do have six different types of oaks. And then I've got things that I would never have thought I'd want to, to have in my yard, but we do, like elderberry. I would never have planted elderberry. I love elderberry. <laughs> How pretty when it blooms. It's just a ditch plant. But, oh, it's so pretty. I totally agree. And I tried to uh, uh, do something with the berries. I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, but they're they're so, and they come in the umbel, the flower shape, the umbel, and then you've got all of those little tiny berries. So I decided it's best to leave those berries for the birds. <laughs> I was sitting on my back porch. My elderberries are ripe. And I kept hearing the birds. One bird was going, Wicca, 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 wicca. That's a northern flicker, our state bird. And I looked back there in time to see a dark bird with a white rump. And that's a flicker. And they were they were actually fighting over the berries. There were about four birds back there fighting over the berries. So if you love watching the wildlife, if you love watching the birds, yes, elderberry and other things that grow bird food, um, that's, that's a great thing. You also talked about Yopon hollies. Yes, we we actually we planted the yopon hollies. We don't have any wild yopons. I haven't found any wild hollies, you know, that are on our property. But I have introduced the yopon holly, and um, well, I got a weeping because I like mm-hmm. the shape, and they have these tiny, tiny little white to red berries that the birds love. I I want to see wild turkey on our property we definitely have birds and i'm not like you i don't know them all by ear yet but i can recognize a lot more than i could when we moved out here just a few years ago so that has been fascinating to me the Mm -hmm. the birds that come in the mockingbirds like the big yopon Mm -hmm. the big yopon now they're the dwarf yopons too but they're they're all wonderful native plants um you mentioned the fringe tree and I had planted one some time back. That's a beautiful tree with its white fringe-like flowers and goes by the nickname Grancy Graybeard, which it does. It looks like mm-hmm. a, a beard, the little fringe flowers. Um, you have to be patient. Mine did not bloom for almost 10 years. Oh, wow. Well, I got some that were just... Um they were just pencil size mm-hmm. and put them in and they bloomed the very first year. Wow. And I know. Incredible. They were they weren't big enough to bloom. They couldn't yeah. even hold themselves up with all the blooms. Wow. So but I got them from a forester in Birmingham and um, he he just had a lot of trees. It was an Arbor Day mm-hmm. project. You know, that's the thing too. There are so many resources out there. People ask me all the time, Well, where do you get your plants? And I think the list is long. The list is long, and most of the uh, the nurseries, even big box stores like Lowe's and Home Depot, are carrying native plants now because they know that there's a demand for it. And I think more of the demand, then we'll have more to select from. But there's always somebody that you know that has like redbud in their yard that has all kinds of little seedlings at the base of the tree and you can go and dig some up. So lots of options for getting plants. A lot of these native plants are shareable. 
Mm-hmm. Because it won't be long before you have more than you wanted. They're crowding <laughs> each other out, and you're looking for somebody to take them away. You mentioned Redbud. Uh, and I work in the garden here at the library, and we have three Redbuds. One is a flamethrower that has the red leaves. And one has yellow leaves, and I'm sorry, I don't remember the name of it. And then we have just the regular green-leafed, pink-flowered Redbud. So... You and I were talking a little bit about cultivars. Can you use the red bud and sort of explain to us what we mean by cultivars? Okay. We can talk about cultivars and we can also talk about, um, well, let's start with that. So let's say that I've got a plant that I really like, but I want it to have some characteristics that it doesn't have. And so... I'm going to, not with the red bud, but with the Confederate series azaleas, for example. Mm-hmm. I'll use that as an example. So they they took a regular ostrinum, a rhododendron ostrinum. And that's a native azalea. And that's a native azalea. And bred it with a species uh, called hotspur. And that's because the original ostrinum has a beautiful flower, but it wasn't going to do very well in our climate. But the hotspur is drought resistant and can survive in the heat and the humidity. And so crossing those, then you end up with a cultivar that it will not only be attractive, but it will also thrive and be successful. And that's something that, um, that, you know, you have those choices. Proven winners are all cultivars. And if you head to some nurseries and ask for, to see their proven winners, then you know that you're going to have not only an aesthetically pleasing plant, but a really healthy plant too. Um, you can't always depend on what I call straight species to, you know, to give you the look that you want in cultivation. It's different if you're working on a restoration project, for example. Let's say you're, you're working with a land trust and you want to go out and you want to restore then you don't want to bring in a cultivar because you're not going to find a cultivar naturally. But that's an entirely different situation than when you're planting in your own yard. Right, right. And I used the example of switchgrass. Um, I had just straight species switchgrass, made the mistake of planting it because I liked its vertical profile and I needed a vertical something in this space. It was beautiful when it first came up, and then the first spring rain came, and just it went splat. It fell on my sidewalk, and so I had to dig it up. I had to I had to be done with it. But then I got a cultivar of switchgrass. I can't remember the name, but it was emerald <laughs> something. Anyway, it's just really good about standing up straight, uh, so I don't have that problem. So it behaves better, and it's easier to live with. It still does everything that that native switchgrass did. Now, there may be some people who disagree with me about that, and um, maybe some purists who say you've got to have straight species if you're going to do native plants, but you would have to do your own experiments to see if the pollinators prefer the regular species, to the cultivar. And that's a lot of science to go through. And I hope someone does it someday and really lets us know. Um, I'm sure there are ways that the native species is better in the environment of the wild. 
I'm sure that the plants have to compete with each other and the best suited comes out ahead. Uh, however, in my yard, that's different. I totally agree. Yes. Um, oak leaf hydrangeas. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> no, and I, I have had great success in, um, in previous properties. But we have not had great success where we are, and I figured it out. Um, and of course, I could have read this in the first place and probably did, but we're very water rich. We are on a sloping piece of property, so water moves from the agricultural fields above us through our land to the property below us. And we've got a couple of places on the property that hold water for about four months. So when I was putting in my arboretum, and I said, okay, I want to have, I want to have some different, we've got swales too now, of course, moving this water through, and I wanted to have some collections. And so I thought, oh, I think that, um, I think that the bald cypress and the red bud and the oak leaf hydrangeas will look really pretty together. So I did some groupings and I still have the bald cypress and I had some of the red buds survive, but none of the oak leaf hydrangeas too wet. So I figured out that as gorgeous as they are, they're quite picky about having wet feet. So just a, you know, trial and error there. We've found a drier spot on our property to, you know, to start over and uh, have a different bed. But um, what about you? What kind of luck have you had? And the oak leaf hydrangeas um, I had a cultivar called Ruby Slippers. Okay, yes, I've heard of that. They all died. Okay. I don't know why. Uh, I had some oak leaf hydrangeas that I think were straight species. I don't think there was anything special about them. And I planted them under the oak tree. They survived, but they got real leggy because they could not get enough sun, mm -hmm. and so they were growing tall and leggy trying to find some sun. Mm -hmm. And so I learned you don't really want to put them in the deep shade. They need some sun to bloom pretty. And that's true for the native azaleas. Mm -hmm. You don't plant them in the shade, they won't bloom. Right. So they've got to have a little sun to, to do it right. Um, what about uh, some perennials? We all love the flowering perennials. I, I know better than to ask for your very favorite. Maybe three favorites. Isn't that Not maybe five. <laughs> you know me well. Oh, gosh. What I really like to do is plant for the seasons. And so I want something that's going to be blooming um, in the spring and in the full summer and into the fall. And so I start with the spring, and mostly the first things that are coming out are my Menardas. And uh, so those are the uh, bee bombs. And about the time that your first hummingbirds start moving through, you've got flowers on your Menardas. There's a, a one that has a beautiful red flower, and they really love that. They like mm -hmm. them all. And then I move into the summer. In the summer, I love the cone flowers, no doubt about it. The rudbeckia um, and echinaceas. It's a, hard to beat. It, it really is. Mm -hmm. yes. Bang for your buck. Mm -hmm. Those are the two good ones. Yes. And then into the fall, it's asters. For me, it's all about mm -hmm. asters. And I don't mind if it's a, a native that 
grows in your ditch out in the front of the property or it's something that you purchase that's a cultivar. They are so attractive and I like a daisy flea bane. That's one that, mm-hmm. that most people would be weeding out, but it has a sweet little flower and it that way you've got food for your pollinators the entire growing season. Right. And the so. pollinators this time of year, August, September, they've been hatching out all summer and oh they're looking for food now. They are hungry little critters looking for food now. Also like um goldenrod this time of year. Yes, goldenrod. Joe pie weed is another one that's um, in full bloom right now, and pollinators are loving that. Ironweed. Ironweed, mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, so many great choices. Yes, yes. Um, by the way, many of these can be seen in the library garden. That garden is devoted to natives. Uh, I'm not going to say absolutely everything out there is a native, Um all that zoysia grass is not native, <laughs> but we have samples of a lot of these things. So if you're interested, please visit, well, even if you're not interested, <laughs> visit the library garden because it's a lovely spot and you can see a lot of these plants there and you can see a lot of pollinators. Uh, shrubs. We haven't talked about shrubs. Oh, not so much. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite or three favorites? No, again, yeah. it's hard to narrow it down. I like the clethora, alnifolia, um, and for, for lots of reasons, um, but it's not something that you're going to put out as a specimen. It's more of a, it's going to create a natural hedge, and it will attract your pollinators. It's got a really unique bottle brush shaped flower. Love that. Smells sweet. It's very fragrant. Mm -hmm. Yes, sweet shrub. So that's one. Um, I would say that I, speaking of sweet shrubs, sweet sweet Mm -hmm. shrub and spice bush are two others that I definitely like to have um, and do have on our property. I'm thinking shrubs, native azaleas. Uh, we already talked about native azaleas and the oak leaf hydrangeas, so we're kind of backtracking a little bit there. Uh-huh. That's okay, because they come back up. So I have a another hedge. I've got a garden that I'm naturalizing with native azaleas, but I, I put some raised beds and an archway for you to you know walk through to get out to it. And I decided that I thought it would be really nice to have a, you know, privacy hedge. So it's not clethora. I put in the Alabama croton and winterberry holly. And I have been so pleased with both of those. And the winterberry holly, this is the second year. It's blooming this year. And from a good distance, you can see those flowers. And it is absolutely stunning. And winterberry loses its leaves. Yes. It's deciduous, but it loads up on the berries. Yes. And so in the winter, you don't, it's not an evergreen, but the clusters of bright red berries just pop. They're great in the winter. Well, this will be our first winter to have that, mm-hmm. and so I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to that. I'll tell you one that grows naturally on our property that I didn't have to put in is sumac. I love sumac. I love it in the fall when it puts on that red. Yes. We were we were hiking a couple of days ago. We were in Ohio. And, um, you know, you, whenever you're out and about traveling, you always meet new people. And, and this young man came up, always admiring some sumac. And he said, you know you can make lemonade with that, a, a sumac lemonade. And I said, really? And he said, yeah, wait till the bob's dry 
and then, you know, strain it like you would tea, and it's delicious. And I told him, thank you, because I have it on our property, and I uh-huh. think I'll try it. Uh-huh. Yeah. And that, again, is something you see everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not, not hard to find a sumac. Uh, we could talk forever. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Uh, we, were, we were saying, instead of just a one-hour program, perhaps this should be a class that would be several weeks because there is so much to talk about. Again, um, Susie and I both would encourage you to look into native plants. Read up on it. There are books here at the library, um, several, that would be easy to find. And and you get that base. You get the theory of it. I often ask people, you remember in the fifth grade, you studied the food web, the food chain. Yeah. What eats plants? Insects eat plants. What eats insects? Birds eat insects. And so if you want to encourage wildlife, then starting with native plants is a good way to do it. Um, Is there anything else? Any last thoughts? (laughs) Well, we could go on and on and on. But uh, thank you, Emily. Thank you so much. Okay. And one thing thing I also want to point out, Susie and I both have admitted to making mistakes. And that's what gardening is. You have to try something to find out it does to find out there's a better way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would like to encourage everyone to try some native plants. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hey, okay, thanks for including me. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to Talking Dirty at the Library, a podcast produced by the Athens-Limestone County Public Library in cooperation with the Limestone County Extension Office and Master Gardener Program. Join us next time to see where we're growing. And to hear other recordings from our Library Voices podcast series, please visit the Athens-Limestone County Library website at alcpl.org.